duck in the bay. Good afternoon. Hi, John. Welcome, everyone. Crowdsourcing the revolution. I'm Amanda Rice, and we're going to get started in a few minutes. We're just listening to Leonard Cohen, Democracy. Welcome, Chrissy. Sorrow in the street. The only places where the races be. From a homicidal bitch that goes down every kitchen to the town. you like to call in while we're waiting for folks to show up? I've come on a little bit early today because I'm so excited uh, and I'm very glad you're here. Welcome. What's going on? Hey there. How's it going? Not too bad. How's my sound? Is it okay? I hear you loud and clear. I'm going to switch to um, a headset really quickly. Bear with me. Hopefully that yeah, doesn't ruin anything. Uh, doesn't ruin anything, really. <laughs> well, you know, these Bluetooths, they... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I turned mine off. I hate the Apple headphones, but Bluetooth doesn't seem to really work. Yep, it's always something with Bluetooth. So um, I think I'm I'm jacked in now. Oh, yeah, good. No, no quality change really at all so far. Splendid. Um, <laughs> I actually have been on a mini vacation. It's kind of not a vacation because I'm just returning to my hometown, Seattle. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, just I, I haven't been able to tune in to very many shows because I've just been kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> so you know, but have you caught I'm in the house today recently? Uh, the only thing that I was I have managed to listen to was uh, well, actually, I had I, I've been listening to the previous episodes of this show, um, oh. or this room. How are they? So I'm. It's great. I, I'm halfway caught up. I haven't been able to catch all the way up. I think I have one more to go. Or something like that, um, but I think, yeah, I'm really enjoying the the nature of the conversations uh, thus far. Uh, Welcome, Andrew. I, I, of course, I, I have 
I have a lot of questions. It takes me a long time to to form. Oh shoot! Hang on, I gotta go let somebody in. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm coming down to open the door. Hang on. She <laughs> whiz. Um, yeah, for me, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a very quick thinker. <laughs> I have to mull over things in my head uh, for for some time and uh, go over the complexities, and then I you know usually for my pointed, sharp questions and try and get to the root of things. So I, I'm still processing uh, the entirety of the conversation over, you know, over the last couple of episodes, but I'm, I'm you know, interested. Well, in I look forward to your well-formed, sharp questions, frankly, because <laughs> I think that you, you, at least the ones that I've heard on other shows have been quite insightful and I appreciate your, you have a lens that I, have not had access for to yet. So I appreciate that about you. Oh, well, well, thank you. I feel the same way about you. And I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like my questions are always out of place uh, for some odd reason. You know, I, I especially end up on uh, the debrief asking questions that I don't know if it's that people are uncomfortable answering them or if they're not relevant, but I don't know. Interesting, interesting, because I think you have good questions. Hi, Mary, welcome, and Andrew, welcome. Um, I am going to run this a little bit like some folks do, and I will um, promote people to um, to speaker if they like. You can also call in to indicate that, because I don't want to catch anybody off guard. Um, but if you don't mind, Joe, I'm going to promote you and we can continue the conversation. If somebody else wants to join, then we'll go from there. Um, I also wanted to let you guys know I've started a little bit early. Um, I sent a little note to Bide because I've been promoting his, his show because I really like it. But I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't even ask him if he wants me to do that. So. That is happening later today, but I wanted to start the show earlier. So we had, because it seems like we just get, we're just getting warmed up at an hour and we need a little bit more time. So I'll take the time to add chapters later. So if people want to do it in shorter spurts than, you know, three hours or whatever. I'm a speaker. I'm a speaker. <laughs> what kind of speaker are you? I am a Kenwood 18-inch. Nice. Something that goes in the back of your trunk. A little bit of a subwoofer. You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, I do. So I was listening. <laughs> so on on a more get to getting to more serious things. I was listening to um, some news this morning that that. Um, I, I don't think you did you did you get to the most recent show because um, Joshua came up with a fantastic idea, um, the the League of Independent Voters, which is LIV, which is great. Except that's now the the initials of the um, Saudi sports washing golf tournament that they've set up. Well, you know, 26 <laughs> characters, someone's bound to arrange them in the same way that we're thinking at some point. So, bummer. 
you know, it was just one of those things I went, mm, but that'll be out of the news soon enough. So I'm not terribly worried about it because I think that the idea of, of independent voters is a, a league of independent voters could be a very interesting idea. And one of the things we that in at least in my concept is there's a couple of different conversations and pathways of action that need to happen besides just educating everybody else that isn't there yet with we need to make some serious change. Absolutely. One of those things is is how do we attack it immediately? Like what do we do right now to relieve some of the worst of the suffering and poorness and and lack of medical care that's going on right now because we can't just snap our fingers and instantly change everything. So what, yeah. what can we do for the moment? And then we also need some really smart people that are that have some knowledge of what humans have done in the past and what what succeeded and what hasn't succeeded, but also have creative imaginations because we need a vision of what we're working for. What are we working toward? What does it look like when we get closer to what the goal is and what is the goal? Okay. And has anyone um, defined any of this stuff yet or put forth no, some ideas to define these things? Of, no, those are kind of the conversation. That I think that kind of what happens just from listening to a lot of the folks that are on here from, from Bree and, and Aaron Mate and Katie Halper to Biden and to the Revolutionary <laughs> Blackout Network, like everybody. It just seems to me that that the the vision of where are we, everybody knows it sucks where we are. We know mm -hmm. we need to go somewhere else, but there's two things. You, you it's hard to imagine somewhere else, but then also try and fix where we are right now. So so in those conversations on the other shows, sometimes they get they get mixed up together, and then it becomes hard to have a conversation about either one because we're both oh absolutely do different do have different conversations even though it's related seriously you know i i welcome well and, yeah, and it goes to call in if you'd like to join the conversation i will promote folks speaker if you'd like you don't have to but that is uh, the format that i'm working with so i'm sorry to interrupt you go ahead josh oh no no problem i it harkens me back to um <laughs> A conversation we had on the debrief. You remember that episode with uh, Shama Swant and Chris Hedges? Yep. Um, where the, we were talking about the long game versus the short game, yep. and 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 separating them out. And sometimes, unfortunately, just the way that the, just the nature of the way changes typically take place in big systems like this, big complicated systems. A lot of times you will have to sacrifice the more immediate changes. You know, of, of course, there's there's going to be people that are in need today. And uh, I mean, just like a simple answer, I feel like would be we mutual aid as best we can for the needs that we have today. But we really do have to have our eye on the prize and on that long game. And I remember I had said that and I got myself into a little bit of trouble, which I tend to do <laughs> uh, very often, you know, saying things, but I'm like, man, I, 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 it was in the context of, it was in the context of talking about 2024. 
And I was like, I don't see it, y'all. I don't, I don't see like the, the movement really took a nosedive after Bernie just sort of like hung it up after the, um, the campaign didn't work. There, there was no continuation of the momentum. We're all fractured and lost and we have to build something that is not, that's going to continue even when, you know, someone like a Bernie Sanders or say it was, uh, you know, Marion Williamson or someone like that ends up, you know, in that position again, that it just doesn't take another nosedive. And whatever it is that we build is going to be a long game. And I understand the urgency, of course, of, of what we all need right now. So many, so many people. Uh, but, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to say that it's a long game. And <laughs> apparently sorry, you're not supposed I to had say to get that. My, I did, did, um, I'm sorry. I had to put my headphones on. Is everybody still hear me okay? Is this quality okay? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, so, so I had to put put on my put on my headphones. So, so one of the things that's happening is also that I'm 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 right in line with Bree. Like I'm tired of talking about this. Mm-hmm. Let's take some action, but nobody's coming up with what action. So that's kind of part of the impetus for this room. I love when it. When you say what actions, then you get to. Well, everybody's trying to, everybody has a different vision of what it is that they want to have happen in this country, in our communities, right? So, so separating the, what can we do for each other right now? What can we do to pressure government right now? And, and with, with only three months to go until the uh, November elections, um, there, there are some ways that we could be looking at developing like you were just saying, Ja, something that lives beyond the election um, in terms of in terms of the organizing, which that's could be could be something like the League of Independent Voters, mm-hmm. which could it wouldn't be a political party because we don't want to get into that trap. That system is fucked, right? Absolutely, I, my opinion. <laughs> Excuse my French, Andrew. I'm gonna. Uh, have you come on in and you can join the conversation and hey, what's happening? hi hey. welcome so 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 i think that so i did put together the google spreadsheet that it's about time to get it updated um but but i think a league of independent voters could provide some structure for people who run not in a party for office that requires you know, that would require some infrastructure to put a campaign together, but, but then also maybe provides information to voters. And again, this is the thing where, where things can get mooshed together because if you, com- you complete something for the purposes of supporting candidates, uh-huh. is that focused on the candidates or the people who might vote for the candidates? So just keeping the focus clear. And because I'm a person that wants to do everything that's possible to do right now all at once i can get things mooshed up myself so this is mostly me talking to me about that <laughs> but also amanda i like this word mooshed. <laughs> well thank you thank you i didn't come up with it myself but it is fun to say andrew why don't you let us know what's going on today with you hey nothing too much i i was well, I have some thoughts about this, as as I always do, about 
everything all the time. Um, but, um, Joe, what did people actually say in response? I mean, I thought what you said seemed like a very straightforward, logical, yes, we should have a short term and a long term uh, plan. And the, you know, were they taking issue with the fact that you described mutual aid as something we would do in the short term or what? No, because I mutual aid is forever as long as there are gaps and holes in our you know overarching programs and policies, we're going to need mutual aid always. Hopefully less so. Hopefully we can design systems that take care of most people's needs. I think what people took issue with in that moment, because like I you know I, I here it is five months in the future. I want to say that episode was maybe in February and like. The conversation specifically in the debrief is, you know, fuck electoralism, right? And it's not like I was even on that train, but I was just trying to say that maybe 2022 and 2024, it's like when an engineer sees some debris on a train track or something rather big. Uh -huh, debris. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, <laughs> When you see it on the train track and the train's rolling, you probably aren't going to be able to st stop it. You know, it's it takes a mile to stop. And that's where I feel like we are right now is like. That's, it's a, be that's a, a very excellent analogy. It's also really a bummer. <laughs> isn't it? It is. It might be an RV full of people sitting on the train track. You know, I'm so morbid. Excuse me. But no, I mean, you know, I think that's a fine analogy. I mean, how many other things, you know, just just having single payer health care would save, you know, I think a good the, the good estimate is like or, the you know, the, the solid middle ground estimate is like 68000 people a year. Mm -hmm. um, so it's many, many RVs full of people on the train <laughs> tracks. Um, but, yeah, I guess like I, I came um, into left politics in just a weird way that was not really connected to real, you know, organizing anything for quite some time. Um, and then I, um, I joined like Extinction Rebellion and 350. And then eventually I kind of became disillusioned with those. And so for a while I was like, okay, yeah, um, like full collectivist anarchist type of position where I thought electoralism is more or less useless, but even a lot of my friends that are still in that um, realm, you know, if, if we're out doing a gear drive or dropping off gear at a homeless encampment, I'm not talking to them about like, why aren't we doing more electoral strategy? Um, but at the same time, like, even they who are like, really against, you know, at least in principle, any type of state based solution that you would need to use you know a party for um even they're like well yeah we should have like national health insurance we should nationalize the oil industry because i don't see another way around um you know reining in the corruption and destructive tendencies of these as private industries without using the state in some way um, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm very much for the idea that mutual aid should be forever and that maybe eventually if, if we do a good enough job with what we're really trying to do with the state, which is make sure people are, are well taken care of and that they want to take care of each other, 
in that we're doing things that are productive generally or allowing people to live their their lives and do what they're passionate about you know eventually i'm I'm hopeful yeah maybe we decide okay let's just get rid of the you know let's slowly erode the state away kind of the lenin idea um i'm down with that but at the same time like even the people who are like the most still the most hardcore like as a rule they're anarchist like that's just their position every single time um even they're like well yeah i'd be down like even a lot of them well a lot of us came to that position partly because we were doing stuff for the bernie campaign but like i don't know i'm kind of rambling but i guess i'm just saying uh right now for instance i checked it out joe you're in arizona aren't you yes uh phoenix arizona although i'm in seattle right now oh shit you're in my hometown that's cool what's up yeah you know i grew up here <laughs> oh really did we uh-huh. talk about this i think we might have i might have mentioned it yeah oh damn that's cool <laughs> yeah it's cool that you're here central district oh nice yeah yeah, yeah. i um I I lived there for a minute, and then I also used to work like in Capitol Hill, which mm-hmm. is not the which is not the CD. It's like the gentrified CD, but yeah. Well, now the CD is the gentrified CD. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it it's annoying. Literally, all of Seattle's that like even even the kind of you know wealthier neighborhoods for those who are not from Seattle. Who might be wondering, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's all been um, vacuumed up post two thousand and eight and turned into a lot of new apartments and condos that are, and you know, no one can afford. Yeah, nobody empty. who's from Seattle can afford. <laughs> well, so, you know, and people, of course, try to make it all about um, race up here when, they, especially when we talk about the city. But I always bring up <sighs> Ballard as a neighborhood, which is like, you know, everyone's Nordic. That was the history of that yeah. neighborhood, and. They took on actually the majority of the new growth in Seattle during the tech boom. So it, it'll, it'll come yeah. for everybody. It's true, yeah. I yeah. Think but I'm the, sorry, go ahead, Amanda. No, 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 that's all right. That's all right. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a friendly conversation. I, I appreciate learning about other parts of the country that I haven't lived in, you know? These are, these are instructional times, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like Amanda, where are you at? I'm in Oakland. Oh, California. where? Yep. Great. I'm into Oaktown, man. Yes. I, uh, I I went to high school here, but I haven't lived here. I moved here about 18 months ago. I haven't lived here for a long time, but I love it. It's I'm so glad to be back in the city after living in a town of 4,500 people. I was an elected official on a local council down there, and... Um, one of the things that I that I that was very became very clear is is you just have to tell a good story that's supported by the facts and and points to the solutions that you want. And because the people I feel like that I've been working with, at least on call in and some of the other local things I'm doing here, have have are are working in good faith. I don't worry. I don't have to worry about you know, putting my time to something that's not. Uh-oh. Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> um, Andrew, I'm going to promote you to speaker and, and um, invite uh, Mary to join the conversation, if that's all right. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. And Mary, please. 
unmute yourself and let us know what you have to say. Hi. How you doing, Amanda? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I'm done walking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out with the dog eight times a day. It's crazy. <laughs> so uh, anyway, this is a great conversation. I've been able to listen in. And uh, I just wanted to get, is it Ja? How do you say his name? How do you say your name? Sorry. Oops, oops, sorry, I was away from the mute button. Yeah, Ja or John. Ja. That's my long name. Okay. Well, um, I just have to say I have a brother in Seattle. And um, his story fits in with what we're talking about. So uh -huh. um, he is uh, mentally ill. Whoa. He's lived in Seattle since uh, either the late 80s or early 90s. He's been there at least maybe close to 30 years. And uh, due to the fact that Seattle has really good services for people like that, he's able to live in Queen Anne Hill in a wonderful little building. And mm -hmm. um, he's he had a, an incident where he was in a park in Seattle. And I don't know if there was a demonstration. You know, there's usually a lot of stuff going on. Uh -huh. And um, he started running, and he ran through some bushes or something, lost his glasses, came off his face, and he went over a cliff like a, <gasps> yeah. So he fell off this cliff, I don't know how many feet, broke his ankle really badly, um, hurt his back really badly, and he laid there. And then some people came by and put him in a cab and sent him home. You know, the cab took him home, basically crawled into his apartment and laid there for three days. He uh. didn't want to call. He didn't want to call. Our brother Jim is the one who is also in Washington State. He used to live in Seattle, works for a company in Seattle, but lives in Spokane. Uh -huh. He didn't want to call Jim. So finally, after three days, he called his friend and his friend has since sold the store and moved. But his friend is a wonderful person who would let John walk his dog and, you know, go buy lunch for the both of them. And he ran a Tibetan store like he would take he would lead treks into Tibet and not mountain climbing, but treks. And, you know, he would let. People like John help him around the store. Um, anyway, uh, he called Matt finally, and Matt came and said, oh, you know, called the ambulance and called our brother Jim. And But anyway, just sorry to take this off tack, but John, you know, being on Medicaid and Medicare disability because of his mental illness for all this time and living in public housing, um, they took great care of him. He went to the is it the Washington University Hospital? What is it called? UW? Uh -huh. UW Hospital, yeah. And they did the surgery on his back, and they did the surgery on his ankle, and they put him in rehab, like a rehab center for a couple months, where it made a huge difference because the reason this happened is he wasn't taking his medication properly. And when they went to his apartment, they find pills all over, like he had, you know, put it down here or there or wherever. And when he was on his meds very regularly because he was in a hospital or in a rehab center, 
made a big difference. So I just wanted to say that he's really been fortunate with these kinds of services. So, yeah, I'm very <laughs> glad. I'm very glad to hear stories, stories that that happy things. And I've I have a, a good news story to share at the end of this show, too. Mary, okay. I really appreciate that story. Did you have something Thank else you. you'd like to share? No, I really enjoy this. I like the fact that you guys are agreeing that the parties are not the solution. I, I think parties are not. I love this independent idea of people being non-party, but trying to come from their, you know, district or whatever you'd call it, their town and wanting to go to, you know, Congress or serve in their local district in a, and come up with solutions and take care of people. Yeah, because so. I don't think it's necessarily about abandoning electoralism entirely. I think the problem is the parties more than just electoralism. I mean, we're not going to solve problems until we get the money out of politics, and everybody knows that. At I this also, point, we have to hack electoralism. We can't yeah. just participate in it on, in good faith as yes. if it's a system yes. they'll ever allow us to do it. Yes, but we also have to be accountable to each other about the way that we approach doing that. Because we all, because there can be people that would act in bad faith. The other thing is I wanted to respond. Oh, I lost my train of thought again. Uh, I wanted to respond to something that Andrew had said about, um, uh, I'll think of it again because it popped in my head again. Um, Andrew, did you have anything you wanted to say? Did your train of thought run into an RV? I mean, <laughs> oh, shit. No, it just doesn't have a caboose right now. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's it's a train with with that forgot to carry its stuff. Um, I was just gonna say um, a couple of things. One is, yeah, I I definitely agree that um, we absolutely cannot and should not try to rely on the existing parties. But at the same time, I think that um, if we are, you know, if we're seriously trying to, um, you know, to, to win these types of gains that we're talking about for a national program that's going to help people out really substantially, um, I think we're going to need to, um, we're going to need to build some kind of party or parties. I don't think that. It could all be done independently unless the independents were like really committed to sticking with one group of uh, people that are that are really in in close contact that are a real organization. And this is this is the model that when it comes up on left media, people say this is like the socialist alternative model where they have an existing organization that's doing things already, and then right. they decide amongst them. Well, actually, you know. X, Y, or Z person in X, Y, or Z chapter, we think you'd be a good candidate for this office. And here's what we could actually materially win from that office. What it ends up being a lot of times is like someone else takes it upon themselves to run. And, and it's not like that's always going to be bad, but I right. just think that moving forward, the organized structure of the party cannot just disappear for years after they win or lose an election. They have to keep right. doing good things with that organization because that's the most important part of it and the other thing i was going to say is um to mary and to ja um ja i I looked it up arizona does have ballot initiatives to get a 
um, an initiative measure on the ballot, you need 237,645 237, signatures. And to get a constitutional mm-hmm. amendment by initiative, you need 356,467. So it's a lot. In Washington State, yeah. it's um, 400,000 for, I think, an initiative measure. And I was just looking it up right now. Whole Washington, they're like still 400 and, you know, there's like 350,000 signatures short. And they need to get those by the rest of the year. So I know a number of friends who are nurses or some kind, you know, they work in healthcare as a physician's assistant or a ultrasound technician or something. And so I was just going to like send it to them and be like, Hey, please pass this around to anyone, you know, who works in healthcare, especially like at different hospitals and things. And then just pass it around myself. Um, Cause that's already going on in Washington but I don't know if anyone's doing it in Arizona, but I, since you have family in both, I'm like, this is, this is kind of like almost a middle ground. Like I wouldn't say just spend all your time door knocking and tabling for signatures for this type of stuff, but it's something mm-hmm. where if we have enough, if, you know, if you can think of like a number of interesting, like decent community organizations that are doing like, you know, whatever, homeless outreach, help for elderly people or you know, um, child really, care or something. Do you remember yeah, when right. Obama first got elected that, that if you got enough signatures on change.org or whatever, that he would address the issue? Does anybody remember that? I do not. Yeah, I remember he said a lot. Like, some of my friends who are older than me who were also organizing for Bernie and stuff, they told me they were, like, really excited about Obama and that his rhetoric was, you know, on the campaign trail was even more radical or or potentially transformational than than bernie's rhetorically um partly because obama was claiming to be like really receptive to the the people um right now if we had listened to anybody from chicago we would have known that that was bullshit or if we looked at his voting record we didn't want to listen hi hannah hi july (laughs) I want to welcome you. July in the house. Yep. <laughs> and Hannah, 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 Miss Mutual Aid. Hannah's. Oh, Hannah, there she is. And um, Mary, can I promote you to a speaker? And we'll have Hannah tell us how it's going on the project sure. she's doing on mutual aid. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Okay. And July, if you'd like to join us, all you have to do is uh, request to speak. Uh, request to be the next caller and and we will we will do that hi hi hannah how's it going so hannah and i met through one of these rooms somewhere i don't even remember which one do you i think it was uh brie probably probably the the brief yeah yeah so and and go ahead how are you today um, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. Um, yeah. Um, so it's moving slowly. I've reached out, I, like a bunch of Starbucks. Could you, could you just the recap the, what, what it is that you're working on so that we, so that people who listen later will have a chance to know too? Oh yeah. Um, thanks. So, um, my idea was to have one hub for uh, of donations uh, for those who want to unionize. Um, 
so uh, so because I feel like that's the only way we could ultimately fight corporations is, is to give people money to strike, you know, to pay people to strike to, because um, I, I work at a community college in Philadelphia and I've tried to get our union to strike several times, but the issue is always we can't afford it, you know, like our, our um, income stops, healthcare stops, so the idea is to have a, a hub where people can donate similar to GoFundMe, but like for specific um, locations, businesses that where workers get uh, organized together and we can help fund them to continue to strike for better wages. Um, it has like updated a little bit. Um, and my original idea was an app, but like um, I, I think on Sunday I talked to um, Harley and um, Karen and we realized that maybe it's probably a better idea to use our skills that we already know how to use. So um, we thought that maybe it would be a good idea to combine my idea and your idea, Amanda, like especially with your Google Doc, just to have a website and each of us have our own department. Like I'll do the mutual aid department and like, uh -huh. I don't know, um, somehow. Yeah, so in terms of my progress, um, so I've, I've emailed Chris Smalls, he's too busy, hasn't responded, but I've emailed a bunch of Starbucks employees that are striking around the country, Utah, Boston, even in Philadelphia they started, so I've been in person talking to the Philadelphia strikers, but... Um, oh, nice. Um, I haven't had actual time, or like, uh, we haven't found a good meet time for me to actually ask questions and interview them of what would make their life easier to organize, mm -hmm. and like, just one, like one, one device, like not device, but one, yeah, just how it, how it could make their lives easier. So I am actually, I have a meeting scheduled tomorrow um, around like uh, 10 a.m. Um, with some Starbucks organizers. So that's where I'm at. It's just the, still in the research. That's, that's, fan, that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. And yeah, it's a centralized place would be uh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm heartened to hear progress, and that's, and I think having, you know, since since I'm in, I, I'm on the, I'm, I'm, my parents are boomers, and and I'm Gen X, and so I have a different kind of way of conceiving of how we can share and exchange and update information together that's mostly based on the idea of like blogs and wikis in terms of things like that and i know there's better mm -hmm. interfaces but like in terms of just the structure but i'm so not a visual person i have i'm actually have aphantasia which means i when you say cat in my head i don't picture a, what a cat looks like i just have this like I know what a cat is. I, I'm, I'm blind. I can't imagine pictures that I haven't. It's very weird. But that, all that said, I have trouble setting, seeing structures built. So that's one of the things I think Karen's really good at because she understands databases and how to kind of put things. Because when you 
set up departments, you want to make sure that you're not don't have too much overlapping because especially until it gets to a bigger number of people, we want to make sure there's not a lot of overlapping. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But everything is overlapping just by the nature of it, right? Mhm. So, um Can I, I ask you a question as well, Hannah? Yeah. When you're um when you're picturing this working in motion, I mean, I guess what I'm envisioning is like if you had a map and you could just look like where you what state you're in or across the country, like where's a where's their uh strike going on that needs funds for a strike fund, where's their you know, people who who are unionizing who who could use some funds to help out with that. And then you could donate to like a you know, if you wanted to donate right to that particular one, do it. Or if you wanted to donate to just like the all, you know, whatever, like the all Ohio strike fund or the all Ohio union fund or something. How, how I don't know. How do you picture it looking when it's done? Yeah. Um, that was another point brought up to me. So I figured like, um, I kind of see two hubs, like, at, like, yeah, I do envision a map, but like, I guess the final piece I haven't visualized yet. So um, I am a I am a visual person. I am a, a photographer. Um, but so once I get the research and once I find like an easy way, like I I will be able to visualize it. <laughs> like I just need the con the information Yay! first. Yay! You know? Crowdsourcing. We all have different <laughs> skills. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. So I do. I mean, I do. Like honestly, I do see an app. Um, like my fantasy, just like my fantasy is a, a social app, but it has all this educational government information of how we can be active in, in our lives, you know, so, so, all right. so the, uh, like the politicians don't play games with their lives, you know? So like, I want like the fantasy is a competitor with like, um, Facebook and sorry, I'm laughing cause I I tend to fan, fantasize a lot, big dreams, but like that's the, how uh, big ultimate, things happen. <laughs> the ultimate fantasy is a competitor with uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So it would be, but there's no logarithm. So that's how I'd get people to get go onto the app because there's no um, logarithm that puts the popular people on top. You know, so it's just it's just whatever it is, whatever who you love is who you see. But then, of course, there might be ads because it needs to be fund. It needs to be public for, for in order to be a competitor. But besides that, then there would be other. Be like, what's going on in your state? What's going on in your community? Who are like who's your representative? You know, a huge map of like that would ultimately, hopefully, encourage people to get involved in their community. Plus a single, like a USA hub where uh, all our, like, we could see how far our our 99% money goes, you know, and to fight the 1% and then um, personal hub or community hubs, whatever community you live in, there could be a hub for that too. And then an- another idea came, well, oh, we could like, um, like include co- organizations to donate to, you know, um, and have a map and they would have to pass this test to to be legit that they're they're not corrupt um so like i kind of see it more as an interactive thing and like um an interact like kind of like um those pages those 
that are like some good news because like on social media it's always like there's always inform people are always looking for either comedy um information you know whatever their interests are so i feel like the social aspect would encourage people to be involved politically as well so that's the fantasy but like um i feel it is like i'm open-minded and need to be smart of how to use the resources i already have and there are grants that I could apply to to make an actual app but like um just so far in the research phase right now that's it hannah i'm a um i'm a ux designer a U, uh, user experience um user interface designer so it's not so far-fetched everybody in their mama's making an app these days <laughs> for real Seriously, that, that this could really, you know, I'm not going to say it would be easy, but it could most certainly be done. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Keep talking about that. Cool. Yeah, I feel like, because um, like, or the algorithm, I kept saying logarithm, sorry, whatever, like, I feel like that I know, because I need Instagram as a photographer. Um, and it drives me crazy. Like, I want to see other photographers, but I don't because I just I see, you know, the the 40 million, you know, the million people and the, the commercial right. advertising. And then, you know, so it's like, you know, even scrolling, you know, if I, if I advertise, there's no algorithm, maybe that will catch people's attention. Be like, Oh, I get to see the content I want to see. You're definitely onto something because Corey Doctorow, um, that's he says that that's all you have to do to fix Facebook and Instagram and all the bullshit going on is you just you outlaw the algorithm. Yeah, might as well be a competitor. <laughs> or it's like you make your algorithm. So say you're you can just go to the algorithm settings tab at any point, right? And you know, flick a bunch of filters and say, I want to see photographers right. and surfing today. Um, right and or just set it to um like random yeah and i think that would be like i feel like that would attract people a lot of people um there used to, to be a new. there used to be a plug-in for mozilla that i used to use called stumble upon that you would tick off different interests and then when you clicked it, it would take you to a website that was in that genre of whatever it was. Apparently it, that doesn't exist anymore, but it was how I found some really interesting things in the early days of the internet when things were still not just all taken up with, you know, there was advertising everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. The other thing I remembered what I was going to say, Andrew, and then, and then um, Hannah, if you'd like, we, I'll promote you to speaker, and then and then Vishnu can um, call. I can have Vishnu call in. Would that be okay? Sure. Okay. You don't have to accept. I mean, just, um, I'm not, I don't know how much more I have to contribute, so I, I I'm okay. fine listening. Okay. Great. I appreciate <laughs> that you're. I pre. That I, I very much appreciate that. Both of those <laughs> things. Thank you. I'm glad to hear the progress. I appreciate the update. Yeah, thank you. So, Andrew, what I was going to say while we get Vishnu in here um, is that is that nationalizing. I I think that's good too. But I I heard I heard um, somebody talking, and I don't remember where or who it was that that that's um, 
dangerous because the the government is captured right now so if if and the government is corrupt right now so if we were to nationalize with the current government we have we'd just be nationalizing it to, into the corruption yeah. of the current system which is well, a I bummer totally agree. Um, it's a bummer but it because it, it, when it's, whoever it was it was not that long ago either it could have been on one of the um, it was Bree's show with it was uh, professor show. professor oh the, that recent one Fadel yeah. Mahmoud. he was so good yeah yeah he was so because it was so re- he he was real about it you know because that was kind of a yeah. that was kind of one of those bummer things that i went uh Nationalizing does sound good, and it should be a goal, but we can't nationalize to a corrupt government, cause that, and that's just how it is. Vishnu, please unmute yourself and let us know what's going on today. Hi, Amanda. I was just wondering what you plan on doing to to not eradicate, but fix this corrupt government, if you will. Um... Well, me personally, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm I'm um, moderating these conversations where we start to look at what does it look like to push back against the situation that we have right now. I I I think that um, my my dream solution, and I don't know how it would be implemented. So, so you could, you could fix, you have to fix this thing about money and politics. That's, that seems like a no brainer at this point, but how do you get that to happen when the people in power have a vested interest in keeping things status quo? So you have to do the state initiative system maybe, or you have to do something else, but there's a Supreme Court case that's going to be decided that may end up making it so that state legislatures get to decide who votes for president and not even the electoral college or the voters. And it, it, the, the, the impact of that would be massive because then there wouldn't be essentially any standard federal elections rules. So my idea is instead of saying limiting limiting money in politics like some kind of limit on how much you can donate or whatever i i think that there's a there's a world where you say okay these seven weeks before the actual election day or before the actual primary day depending on although primaries are run by parties right primaries are not state-run elections everybody knows that right that that when it's a primary election I guess maybe in Washington state, I might, I should say, I'm not a lawyer and I should say, I don't know all of the rules of all of the states, but because the Washington is having, having a Washington had an open primary with all, everybody in the state got to vote and that everybody from every party or an independent was on the ballot for everybody. But normally like in California, the Democrats basically run the primary and the Republicans run their primary. And you only can vote in the Republican primary if you're a Republican. So if you're an independent, you're out of luck. I think California Democrats recently said that if you're if you're not a Democrat, you still can vote in the Democratic primary. 
But all of that is to say that it's very confusing and, and the parties are there to keep things in line. So you say in seven weeks before any election, sorry about that digression, before an election, that's the only time you can raise funds and spend funds for campaigns, period. You cannot spend the 18 months between one election and the next elect campaign doing fundraising. Because no money that you get that you collect and no money that you collect can you keep for the next campaign. You just take all of it. You say this is when and any, any organization or person who wants to contribute to a campaign knows that that's the window. So they set their budget. They know on X date, August 8th or whatever the deadline for filing to run for office. That's when, that's when any campaign funds can come in and bank accounts are set up. And, but you, it, it's, there are logistics that would make it difficult, but, but you could get money out of politics by instead of limiting the amount of money that can go in, you limit the amount of time that money can be raised and spent. And then you also, that also limits. So we don't have these, I'm so, can we please have like two months after an election to not talk about electoral politics, please? Like, please. They were already talking about who's running in 2024 before the 2020 election was over. It's stupid. So, so I think, and you get more people involved, I think, in politics if it wasn't like this onslaught 100% of the time, like it feels like now. I live in a bubble where I kind of like this stuff, so I spend a lot of time listening and thinking about it. So maybe it's not like that, and I just have my own little bubble warp, and I welcome anybody to pop it who, who, who has a thought on that. Anybody got any thoughts? Otherwise, I'll talk about the... Oh, yep, go ahead, Ja. Uh, uh, oh the mute button okay huh so let me get this straight if i can just sum up what you just said basically again instead of putting actual dollar amount limits to how what individual donors can donate to a candidate in a primary or in an election or anything else you're saying just constrict the time i i guess i'm trying to think of how people would sort of beat that system. Like does what what problem does that actually end up solving? Could you say a little bit more about that if you don't mind, Amanda? Sure. Um, uh, it, so the problem it, it ends up solving is more about less about the the money in and 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 more about our our representatives being actual representatives and not candidates the whole time that they're in office by limiting when when money can be donated and when it can be spent mm. Mm. okay yeah no i now, I now and, see what you're you, saying and you can't and you can't keep anything you don't spend it has to go back to donors at, you know, there's logistics involved, right? But that's that, that's, and again, it was, it's an off the wall concept that I don't even know if it, if it's 
logistically, pragmatically, a bit, you know, possible. But you got to yeah. think outside the box because nothing we've tried works. <laughs> it's like it solves one half of the money in politics problem. Right. And like in a right. very certain kind of a way. I, I see right. what you're saying. Okay, that was that was my question. Also, one more thing. Yeah. Andrew had said something earlier, and I wanted him to say a little bit more about it. And I'm having trouble even remembering what it was, but I think it was something to the effect of we have to engage in electoral politics, especially uh, as, you know, especially parties. At some point, we can't do everything independently. And I'm I guess I'm wondering, like, what is the uh, what is the lead up? What is the crescendo? Like, what is the process? Like, I really would like to break down that time in between us organizing, you know, cre creating the LIV. <laughs> um, so, and when we even get to that point where we start to engage with um, existing parties or new parties or whatever else might be out there. Um, yes. I, I envision a beginning like with with individuals like in my because the reality is the the nation the the news even local news doesn't tend to cover these races and anything that's that's national news is just going to cover the interesting ones well AOC I can't vote for her I'm not in her district so the only district that matters to me is mine which is Barbara Lee and so I have to be proactive in my community when I'm walking down the street or when I'm talking to people because, because part of it is that we have to normalize having regular, not hot-headed conversations about the people who are in D.C. representing us. And, and by having um, the database that, that Hannah and Karen and I and, and Harley are kind of starting to formulate is is have knowing like I don't know any of the more recent bills that were voted on other than the Ukraine bill and and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a conversation I want to I want to know what the most recent information is because we need to be pressuring our representatives and the way that it's structured in every state even this is why state elections are almost even more important this year. Oh, there's so much. Oh, there's so much going on. It's, it's obnoxious. Uh, so um, I'm going to take a breath. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but um, one of the things that the other side of that is is, is ha having accountability is how. how I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you for a second. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we hear you. Did you? Have, yeah. So, so uh, accountability networks, like having having consequences, means means when a when a um, look at what happens in on the Republican side when a Republican steps out of line. Look at that st stupid guy who was saying the thing about the Coke parties or whatever. Right? He got smacked down. Right. What do Democrats get smacked down for? The stupidest, inconsequential stuff when it comes to what we need to be doing. But it's amazing. It really only takes a couple of people calling, and they have they have big staffs. But but 
once you start to be as as a former elected official i'll just say this especially when it comes to local cuz cuz i don't know that anybody on this call is in dc but you, you know most of us aren't going to congressional hearings but we could be going to the state house or our, even our city council meetings and that's where we need to be going and focusing our attention cuz if you think about it What's happening by everybody talking about Congress that's not getting anything done except sending more money and weapons to Ukraine? We're not focusing on what's happening with our state legislatures, which could have potentially take the right of people to vote who they want for president away from them entirely based on who's in this. And state legislatures are shockingly... Republican leaning we really have to stop in in my personal opinion just having watched these things I'm not I am I'm not a member of any party the office I held was a nonpartisan office it was a local office I don't think I would ever run for office under a party and if I did it would be under the Republican Party because Republicans know how to get obnoxious people elected so, and I would be the most ridiculous Republican you ever did see because I'd be like these stupid, like Joe Manchin's really a Democrat, right? Joe Kennedy's a Democrat, right? No, come on. But, but Republicans don't tolerate that. But all of that, all of that's to say there is a lot of, a lot more at stake in state races. And if you show up at those city council meetings, it only takes two or three because there's not too many people that show up at those things. Two or three people show up more than three times. Now I'm recognizing them. Now I feel like I have kind of a, a pseudo acquaintanceship with them. And maybe sometime while I'm on break on a board meeting, I might go and have a conversation with them, find out what's going on. Maybe it's somebody that's going to be a supporter, right? Showing up at these things, you know, makes a difference. And, and, you know, if I show up at every appearance Barbara Lee makes in my town, she'll start to recognize my face I become a familiar person, and now if I want to try and catch her eye d during something that she, that some event she's doing, she's more likely to actually return my gaze and possibly talk to me because she's seen me. I'm familiar. This is something that that I think everybody should be doing in their own towns with your school board, with your city council, with whatever town council thing that you. Just go and watch. I mean, it's on. Most of them are still being held by Zoom. You can even just do it from your house in the comfort of your home. And really, if you live in a, actually, if you live in any city in this country, I was going to say if you live in a small town, but it doesn't matter. Those meetings can be really, really funny. And when you start kind of following it, it becomes a little bit like a soap opera, and it can be kind of fun to watch. But people take things too seriously and they only get involved when their pocket is being picked or when they feel like their view shed is being ruined, right? So, so showing up at times when it's not like that is helpful just from the point of view of somebody who's been an elected official and spent a lot of time 
trying to figure out what those people were doing at that meeting. <laughs> so, um, did I, didn't, did I say earlier my train doesn't have a caboose? I think that's what I did say. <laughs> um, yeah, Ja, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. My trigger finger be acting funny with, uh, the, the mute button is kind of sticky for me. I don't, this app is, uh, practice, practice. Uh, yeah, you do need practice. And I really don't know why the UX designer put the hang up button so close to the mute button with just right. a very tiny amount I of affordance Charlie to, between to the two. It. Yeah, you, they need to you move know that. Charlie Wiser. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't know Charlie, but Charlie does need to move it. <laughs> Charlie is just, he's always listening on even the small shows because he works for Colin. Uh -huh. So you can like tell him stuff and he might get it done. That's okay, why, is he um, one of the programmers or uh, UX designer? or? I'm not sure exactly what his role is, but I think that he um, he at least can be a messenger who works for them. So they have heard I think that's his job. Basically, I don't know if he actually does the program himself, but I think his job is roughly to basically help improve the app by hearing people um, and, oh, okay. and, seeing, and like listening to the shows. He'll be on like all day. Um, you'll see him around and stuff. But oh yeah, so he does qualitative UX research, basically. Yes. Very good. Um, but I was going to say um, a bit to the point of like. What's going to happen with these um, with these state election commissions changing everything? Um, you know, how is that going to affect um, you know the elections? I think this is something in general that I'd like to change. I would like to see a, a national standard for elections that is like really solid and and you can't just break the rules. Um, I do think that um, keeping the elections really separate and different, that does make it difficult. I mean, for even for existing parties to do something across all 50 states, because the requirements are different in every state and you have to have people who are specialized working in those states as a part of the, as a part of the system. So um, that's one thing I would say would need to change eventually. Um, but a little bit to uh, Jaws question which is you know why eventually parties and what's the in-between i guess the in-between is um getting more people more involved with and creating more community organizations and also getting those organizations to work together i mean because there's the issue which is under capitalism a nonprofit only really um has incentive to solve a small part of the problem, even if it was like the, the largest, most well-funded, organized nonprofit ever. Um, you run into the issue that you're incentivized um, as long as the problem you're serving still exists. Um, so if we're able to convince nonprofits or other, even they don't have to be a nonprofit, it just be a completely grassroots organization that doesn't have any kind of incorporation. People still get really, um, possessive over the work that they're doing and they want credit for it, um, this and that, or people have substantive disagreements with each other. Like for instance, I worked on this um, campaign a little bit for a city council member in Seattle uh, 
who, well, he's not a council member. He didn't win. We, we lost by a couple percentage points, but he was running as a sort of DSA candidate. Which um, one? But he had uh, Sean Scott. Yeah. Okay. What district was that? That was district four. So that's like U district. It's just um, north of your district. Yeah. Roosevelt. Um, I yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. It does go up into Roosevelt and like a little bit of Wallingford and the U district. And then also the fucking edge of what is it? Is that Madrono? The super rich, like you can see. Bill oh, Baker's you're talking about Laurelhurst. Oh, Laurelhurst. Yeah. 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 That's mm-hmm. the place. Um, okay, cool. But yeah, he um, he and Shama had um, their campaigns rather had talked to each other, and he was asking for an endorsement. And because she didn't give it immediately, because just because he's socialist, you know, has socialist in his party's name, he was pissed. And uh, they also had some policy disagreements. And so, like, that's not even like wanting credit or not fixing the issue, but that's just like there's so many reasons why there's a lot of groups working on the same problems and they don't coordinate the most effectively that they could be um yeah also were was someone else just talking i thought i heard um maybe it was an echo of me sorry go ahead joe i didn't mean to cut you off i just i just heard like a weird like so thought someone was asking me something I don't know. It was it was trigger fingers again. <laughs> My bad. Continue. No worries. S- s- sorry. Um, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. And I I just I had a, a, a slight interruption, so I missed that exchange. I, I, if there's anything I need to know. <laughs> oh, um, nothing too too much. Okay. Just I was I was kind of describing like one thing that I want to see happen. Um, in the meantime, before we get on board with like, um, going into, uh, building parties, which I do think is ultimately necessary. Um, I think that, um, the existing organizations that work on a lot of issues that we care about, they need to be larger and they need to be more connected and cooperative. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons that organizations don't work so well together. And I was going into some of those or some examples. Um, But I think that one of them is basically, um, well, anyway, I don't want to go over and over and over again, but that's one thing. So can I just uh, interrupt for a sec Um, on, on the mutual aid side and helping, um, you know, building it to help support people who want to unionize. I I have two specific thoughts about that. One is, wouldn't it be great if there were a world in which we didn't need unions and we didn't need a world structured around work instead it was structured around living but that's you know topian but the other thing is 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 most of the massive social change that came out of the early 20th century came because of unions and unions these days people's most people's conceptions of unions is is um and what they've kind of calcified to um versus what their their original intention was and why we were, you know, why they were, you know, if you just think back to why were unions created, it was, cre- it, they were created to, to allow people to, 
get together and tell the boss, hey, we're going to not do this unless you fairly compensate us and sticking together. And, and because of the calcified nature of the big unions not being really on the side of, of the working people, it feels like a lot of times. And this is coming from somebody... I was on the side negotiating with the union for the contracts because as an elected official, it was my job to negotiate a good contract with the firefighters and with the SEIU who worked for the district, right? So so that was a weird position for me as a, as a worker person and as a, a person who isn't from the ruling class it was a an experience that that i have a new appreciation for the kinds of bullshit that goes on at these kinds of things and um and i i'm i without the people getting together and and having having the league of independent voters and and this this mutual aid union and and combined with an accountability network and what i mean by that is newspapers used to provide this but now newspapers are have become too commercialized newspapers used to get i mean one of the reasons there's a book rate and newspapers used to if it was the newspaper of record the postal service it was in the postal service budget to mail those out so if you produced a newspaper the the cost of shipping it to the to the end customer was covered by the government because the government wanted as many voices as possible and having as much information as possible out there and that went away and sometime probably in the 1980s Ronald Reagan probably he did a, some real damage but but the point being an accountability network that that means this is a place people can go to say see what's happening what did how did their elected officials vote what's what's things are up next for the for for whether it's congress or the state what are they looking at newspapers print this stuff but we don't have a culture where this stuff is something people normally talk about cuz it's all too quote unquote politicized cuz it is but we don't, when we teach civics, if we teach it at all, we don't teach that it's something you have to, it's something that you should always be doing. Not something you should always be doing like that I don't ever do like balance my checkbook. But something you always be doing because you live in a democracy. And that's how you make sure that your rights and the rights of the people mm. around you are hopefully but you know that's a complicated happen. equation though amanda like what trying that's to figure... complicated I, I i mean but you know like it, it trying to figure out how to get civically involved is half the damn battle and by the time you even figure out some sort of a way to actually get involved you know you, you've really expended a lot of energy just trying to figure out where to get information for for god's sakes and right. not to mention what to do with it and you know how to process it and how to think it through and and it's so just I it's think really you have a lot to look around your town and be curious about how stuff got the way it is yeah like why why is it that this part this part uh, how do i think how do i find out why the, this part of town the roads are so shitty who's in charge of the roads in this part of town why is this stuff not getting done or or 
they they're building a new thing that's blocking my view to to the to the building on the other side that I used to like to look at or whatever it is that everybody mm -hmm. there is an in there's it's just that it's just that people aren't encouraged I mean did you ever go to some kind of like city council meeting ever when you were in school did you ever watch mm -hmm. one no not in school but I mean later on yeah definitely later on like in my so you know when I was in audio school involved? what made you get involved because uh, I think we're trying to solve a, 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 a civilization-wide problem with, with a civilization-wide answer when really it's a people-to-people -people thing. It's, it's you and me and Andrew and Hannah and July and Sean. Oh, yeah, and, now you're talking. You know, now you're talking, that that's absolutely. Because I was just getting ready to answer you. Between us. Go for it. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say it was, you know, the people that I um, went to community college with um, that, you know, we'd have conversations after school and we, we should go to one of these meetings and see what they're talking about. Literally, that's how it happened. So, yeah, that is important. I think you're absolutely right. So how do we create those spaces? Because those spaces don't really exist. So we could take over existing infrastructure, like say every Tuesday, every Tuesday, if it's a Starbucks, people are going to be there talking about the upcoming election in that district. Mm. And, and we just have somebody show up. And if there's nobody at the Starbucks to talk about it, there's nobody at the Star that Starbucks to talk about it. But, you know, or you say, or maybe you pick a you pick a different a different ubiquitous chain of something or other. To, well, what would to, you say is preventing these things from happening? Because it's more than just uh, like what specific things are preventing people from be either being able to do it or having the will to do it or having the courage it, to do it. I think that I think that every space, every public space, has become commercialized and controlled. Absolutely. So we there's very few spaces where we can still interact with people like this. This app is is a is a thing is that where I've met people. There's no way I would have run into even if I was probably in their town. Yeah, game changing run run, it, for sure. And and hearing new voices, different voices, different perspectives that are all all with similar messages it, it it's very it, and knowing that there's a lot more ways for us to connect but i still as an as a as a as a child of boomers there was a thing when i was a kid it was called the phone tree <laughs> phone tree was a thing that you could do you know like i only have to call two people and those two people are responsible to call two people. So nobody has to call everybody, but everybody gets called. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to do that with the current complexity of the algorithms and bullshit with social media. We almost need to go back to something algorithm. And one of the things that was, uh, I was, I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I, I feel a little bit masochistic. So I listened to Lee Camp's moment, moment of clarity and it was really bumming me out today. Cause I was like, 
Well, yeah, if shit goes down, we're not going to have cell phones. We're not even going to have landlines. We we used to have landlines most places still laid. The the lines, the wires were still in the ground and in on the poles. If all the power goes down, how am I going to find jaw? Right? How am I going to find anybody to try and organize anything? I don't even have, a, I, 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 you know, people could use the postal service, but they're, they've like made it, it's becoming problematic to get stuff places where it's supposed to be. And, you know. How so, do you mean with the postal service? Um, so, so the prices keep going up and they keep extending the amount of time that they're allowing themselves to get from one place to another with the, with the the packages and, and the onerous, um, the onerous 75 year forward funding of the retirement fund. So they're funding the retirements of people who haven't even been born yet, much less started work for the postal service. Hmm. So they're broke. They're upside down. If this is not a story you know, please go look it up. I, I do know a little is, bit about the catastrophe is, of the postal service, uh, but it's purposely service. being sabotaged. Yeah, it is being purposely sabotaged, and and that's and that's because that's because it's also it it's that thing that the the book rate, the magazine rate, the periodical rate. Has has all there's periodicals that have gone out of business only because they couldn't afford the increase in postage, and we should be encouraging everybody in this country. If you want to send out a newsletter, you send out your newsletter, right? Yeah. More information. The, the The answer to bad information is more information. The answer to bad speech is more speech. It sucks when it's bad speech, but it's, it's, and it's, that whole issue is, I'd rather talk free speech than abortion though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier and a lot less. So let me share some good news. So I'm going to share some good news. So the usual time, I put the time, the usual time to 3.30. So I do want to stick, stick around at least until until 3.45 so we can see if somebody shows up who was expecting it to be at 3.30 because I want to be respectful since I changed the time at the last minute. But that, all of that said, so I, I went to a, I, I quote unquote, went to a meeting the same way I quote unquote read books. I went to a Zoom meeting. Um, that was um, hosted by East Bay Faith in Action, which is a local activist, large activist group that's been around for a long time. It was a meeting set up with the housing folks and at the city of Oakland and Alameda County about the rental reimbursement program that the state of California was administering from the federal government for COVID. If this is not a program that you are familiar with, people can apply if they weren't able to pay back. They, if they weren't able to pay rent during COVID, they didn't have to. They were, but they weren't allowed to get evicted. But now they have all this back rent they have to pay. So if people apply with their landlord, you can't just do it by yourself as a renter. You apply with your landlord. You can apply to get that 
back rent reimbursed just as a gift because the federal government gave a bunch of money to the state of California. So there was a deadline on June 30th that the state of California said, if anybody that on your, uh, that's applied hasn't responded yet and that there's been follow-up and you can't get a hold of them, reject them. Oakland and Alameda County had like 15,000 applications. They've only processed 8,000 of them because they don't have enough staff. They went to East Bay Faith in Action and they said, look, we'll get, we'll get three paid positions. They only got one person that would go and do the paid position, but they got one person to do follow-up with all these folks that just like they sent in an application, but now they need to do the follow-up to get the rest of the information so they can get reimbursed. And they're not like they're answering their phones or for whatever reason they haven't got they haven't been able to reach these people. Well, Alameda County said to the state, we we aren't gonna just reject those people, we're gonna keep trying to call them because they need it, or they wouldn't have applied, because it's a pain in the ass for to this point. So instead of doing what the state told them to do, they're like, no, we're just going to put those people on pause and we're going to keep trying to get a hold of them because they probably still need the money. And I just was so heartened to hear the pushback because here's where it makes a difference. The people in Alameda County and Oakland are nonpartisan. The state is partisan. The Democrats said, just reject them if you can't get a hold of them. And the local jurisdiction said, screw you. They're on pause. What do you mean? We're still trying to get a hold of them. We just haven't got a hold of them yet. They're not rejected. So there are good people out there doing good things, even when the policies of Democrats, because, you know, California majority Supermajority Democrat state. Even the Republicans are Democrats in this state, for heaven's sake. Oh, all of that's to say. Does anybody else have anything to say? Otherwise, otherwise, I will, uh, I will start playing some some music, and we can jam out. Or maybe you can tell us a story about your adventures. Uh, out and about, or uh, if you have any thoughts, July. Um, I want to see a consequences, not accountability means there's consequences, right? Am I right? And uh, not all the time. Maybe just acknowledgement of consequences or the, the acknowledgement of what, what's happened and, and a plan to move forward in a different way. You know, if, if there can be if there can be accountability without certain kinds of consequences, right? You know, it, could, it's, it can be a win-win, but sometimes it does have to be consequences, as we, as we well know. Yeah, but no, Amanda. In closing, thank you um, for this conversation. Um, my instinct was to immediately just kind of start taking notes and keeping track of where we are in these discussions, so that we can really start to direct. Um, these conversations in a direction that starts to be able to flesh out these ideas a lot more and get really specific and uh, for whatever it is that we're organizing, building, doing, can really start to take form in front of our eyes. So, And, um, and, 
you know, there's actually, as I'm looking at my at my spreadsheet, there's actually it is election day in I think five states today. Oh, what? Arizona, Washington. There's primaries in these in these states. Hmm. But I don't. I'm going to my spreadsheet right now. That's why you can hear me walking up the stairs. Can I get a full? Can I get a full leaf artist, please? Oh, this is this is yeah. Let me give you the let me give you the update. There's there's five states that have primaries today, including Arizona and Washington. The Washington one's interesting because it's it, it's the open primary where um, every candidate is on the ballot. There's a whole bunch of candidates. Let's see where is this. It's such a beautiful day. I was outside for part of our call, but that's not where my computer is. For some reason, my computer doesn't like being outside. Okay, we got today Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington. Oh, wow. Are today. So, so by Saturday's show, um, by Saturday's show, we'll have a sense of, of who might be going for the runoff. So I'm trying to get to the, my computer's thinking. Okay, there we go. Okay. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of people, there's a, you know, cause, because every, House member, or House seat is up, and there's a lot of people that are. Uh, there's a lot of seats. It looks like where there there's no incumbent running. Washington has ten seats up, and let's see. I know it's very fascinating to listen to me talk at my spreadsheet. Click click. <laughs> <laughs> this is you, this you're doing is all right, riveting. Amanda. This is riveting, I can tell. Okay, here we go. I'll do like that. There, there, there. Second. All right. So, ten seats in Washington, uh, eight seats in Missouri, fourteen in Michigan, four in Kansas, and nine in Arizona. Wow. So. Never go on vacation when there's like, you know, primaries. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's um, some of the, some of, I, it might be the case that in the Senate that there's, um, that there might not be. So the Senate won't have primaries for the Senate. Oh yeah, that Missouri's got an interesting Senate Senate selection. Oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good report on on Saturday. I've got some work to do. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and and it looks like Kansas has um, a libertarian running, uh, one Democrat. So it'll be Kansas in in November. Kansas will have a libertarian, 
and then whoever wins the Democratic run the Democratic primary, which there's six candidates, and then whoever runs the Republican primary, which there's two candidates. That's that's Kansas. Kansas will have a choice between a Libertarian, a Democrat, and a Republican in November. Missouri, uh, there will be. Uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans have a primary. There's uh, a candidate for the Constitution Party, a candidate for the Libertarian Party. So they'll have four options in Missouri. Arizona is only having a Republican primary. They're not having a Democratic primary. And they will have three choices, a Libertarian, a Democratic candidate named Kelly, and then whoever wins the Republican primary of five candidates. And then Washington is just, a, 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 there's a lot of candidates for Washington. Let's see how many there are. There are, Washington, 18 candidates. You got independents, Democrats, for the primary, you got somebody from the Socialist Workers Party, a couple of no party preference, an independent, a Trump Republican, a JFK Republican. I don't know. And then there are Republican Republicans. And that's in Washington State today, which is interesting. Ja? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. So, so. That's the that's the that's the short wrap up of the of the election for today. But but we'll see how how it goes and what choices are going to be on the ballot for those states in November. Yes, yes, indeed. Big fun. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Ja. Thank you for for being such a good sport and talking with me. I really appreciate that I didn't have to just talk to myself. <laughs> oh, Amanda, this was great. This was super compelling. I look forward to the next conversation and I'm going to still get caught up. Yeah, and ha ha Hannah, um, I don't know um, if Jaw wants to get involved in, in your prod. Is it still, uh, you're still in the formation phase, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, just so we can, could, would you mind? So, so stay tuned to this channel because, because we've got the inside scoop with Hannah when she's ready to, when she's ready to have people come on board and help out. I appreciate you guys coming today. And as, as usual, we will go out with there's just nothing there's just nothing you can't love about about Leonard Cohen's democracy I mean it's just just I just makes me my other favorite song that's very patriotic is just too sad which is seriously that's the name of it maybe someday I'll play it but it's a bummer one day, Amanda. Have a good one. You too. It's coming from the field.